Earlier this year, Cannings' parent company, WPP, released the sixth iteration of the Secrets and Lies report. The idea behind Secrets and Lies is simple. If we can understand what Australians really think and how this shapes their behaviour, our clients will find it easier to target their audiences. One of the key findings in the latest report found that 8 in 10 people do not trust what they read online. And the same amount don't even know what the truth is anymore because so much information is manipulated through spin, bias, fake news, you name it. So how a business is meant to build trust and communicate meaningfully when almost everyone is deeply sceptical towards anything they read online? To shed some light on this problem and provide some practical advice, I spoke to WPP's President for Australia and New Zealand, Rose Hertzig, who also happens to be the report's author. Rose, thank you very much for joining us on the couch after a very long flight last night, so we do appreciate your time. Before we begin, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your President of WPP Australia. How did you get to the role and uh, where do you see yourself taking the company in, in the months and years ahead. Thanks for having me, Will. Um, I got to the role quite by accident. It was never the plan to be the president of WPP Australia and New Zealand. The only corporate job that I've had is the one I had before this one, which was the chief strategy officer job. And I've spent the bulk of my career in small business. I've had three small businesses. I've sold three small businesses. And I am running WPP like a small business here in Australia and New Zealand. So my background is very scrappy. I'm a practitioner of strategy. I'm a doer. I'm not a big fan of talk, talk, talk. I like a lot of action. And I think this industry more than ever needs to act on behalf of its clients. So when you say you are approaching it like running a small business, what do you mean by that? I mean, keep things simple. Things generally are. I'm not a fan of complicated, buzzword bingo, hierarchy, the notion that you could spend three days in a workshop with no actual outcomes. I like to break things down and make things really quite simple. And bottom line, we have customers that our clients need to service. We need to understand that and we need to help them be better. We need to help them connect better with their customers and drive their business growth. It's pretty simple. And I think when you are a practitioner, you're looking at how to make the biggest impact and a little bit like triage, we have a limited time in the day, limited hours. How do you make the most impact with the hours that you've got by keeping it smart and simple? Before we delve into this year's secrets and lies, tell me a little bit about where the idea came from and what it's hoping to achieve ultimately. Well, it, the idea started in 2018. That's when the very first chapter of Secrets and Lies was published. And the idea came from one fact, there was no study anywhere in the world that measured the difference between what we think and what we say out loud. And in that difference is where marketers and companies can find the most opportunity. And we wanted to measure that. So that's how this whole thing started. And six chapters later, we've got a wealth of information. It's a very big sample size for Australia and New Zealand. And we're asking some of the questions that matter to our clients. But ultimately, Human behaviour needs to be understood to, put bluntly, liberate the cash. Mm. And that might sound quite blunt, but I mean that in the sense that to get a consumer to be motivated enough to take action, you've got to understand intrinsically their behaviour. One of the key findings was that 80% of people no longer trust what they read online. 
Can, can you unpack that a little bit? Are we yeah. talking about, you know, blogs, social media? So we should separate what I would call first-tier independent journalism and media. Yeah. There are reputable news organisations that Aussies look to. Yeah. Any bushfire, any flood, ABC Radio is on in any part of the country because they're reputable, they give the actual news. Uh, the people that are the journalists in the field are reporting on water levels, they're reporting on SES on the ground. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about the vast reservoir of the informational, the citizen journalist who uploads information without any verification or fact, without any reputable source, that Aussies feel perhaps shouldn't be trusted. And they're probably right not to trust it. The conspiracy theory websites, the just because I said it out loud, um, there's truth. I was reading something that Kate Blanchett was quoted on the other day, actually on the plane ride back to Australia, Mm. and she said, I'm very bothered by the words my truth. Her point of view was there is truth. Mm. I agree with that. Yeah. The truth is that I'm a five foot 11 woman. There's truth to that. Is it my truth? It's just a fact. Yeah. That's my height. Mm. And I think we're living in a world online and with news and information where there are versions of the truth. And I, I believe like Kate Blanchett believes that there is often truth. Yes. And it's irrefutable. And we've lived through a presidency where that's been questioned. We've lived through countries where people can say whatever they like and somehow it becomes fact if you repeat it enough times. So I think Aussies are wise to the fact that they need to be very careful about what they're believing. Mm. Yeah, no, you often hear that expression of post-truth world, which... It's horrifying. Yeah, it is horrifying. It's sort of no stable ground in that sense. But So I'm assuming in in that sense, uh, businesses communications would fall within that realm of distrust? I I think, look, I think the best leaders work with truth. They don't work with massaging the truth. They don't spin. Mm. They tell the truth about their business. For example, in areas of sustainability or ESG, they talk about the targets that they want to achieve and they're honest about how far they are, are away from those targets and what it's going to take to get there. Australians are a eminently forgiving nation. If you tell the truth and you apologise for something you've done wrong, they will forgive you. And so businesses need to just tell the truth, for better or worse. And the funny thing about right and wrong is that we all know the difference between right and wrong, the individual, the corporation. Just stand there and be wrong if you're wrong as a business. If you are, figure out how you're going to fix it, and fix it, and you move on. I can't remember the last time I heard that without a but inserted. We're sorry, but. The but negates the sorry. Stand there and be wrong. I don't know why that's so hard for leadership. Yes, yeah. Moving to a slightly more contentious issue. So the report found that more people are feeling forced to take a side on social debates. And uh, this is certainly translating to the commercial environment and for businesses too. You know, the most notable at the moment would be the Netball Australia and They're obviously a cash-strapped board. They secured a sponsor that would resolve those financial issues, yet it created huge upset with the players. And how can companies manage these lightning rod issues? Yeah. Well, first, uh, have a conversation, an open and honest debate about what's really going on. None of us is perfect. That's the other thing, right? A lot of judgment being thrown around. Most companies are on a journey you know, journey's not a word I normally love. Hobbits go on journeys, not companies, but there we go. But most people are, in, are evolving how they're becoming more socially aware and more responsible and have some kind of sustainability plan. 
I think the first thing is just be honest about where you are. Principles only, you know, matter when they cost you something. And for Netball Australia, they've made a call. It matters to them where the money comes from. Whether it's right or wrong is up to Netball Australia to judge. But ultimately, they've made a call. It's principled for them. And I think the point is you've got to actually have a conversation and a debate and make the decision. And you can't straddle the fence on these issues. It's a tough one, right? Mm. The politics of the issue, the money of the issue, the sport of the issue. Is sport the right forum to discuss issues of policy and politics? Mm. It always has been. Olympic Games have been pulled because of the Cold War or because of other sanctions. So the truth is that it's here to stay. I just think it's something that we should be talking about a lot more and leaders should talk about the fact that they don't have all the answers because they don't. All right, final two questions. So authenticity is a real art in communications. How have you helped clients in the past or is there any standout examples that you can think of where a, a business or a client has achieved authenticity? It's in the writing. I always go back to this and you'll appreciate this in the line of work that you're in, Will, but I say to clients, write beautifully, write like Hemingway, short sentences, mm. get rid of all the buzzword bingo, get yeah. rid of words people don't understand, don't use your intellect as a weapon, beautiful writing that is simple and yeah. easy to navigate. And the clients that do really well, and we have quite a few of them, everything they write, whether it be in their social channels, whether it be online, through their website, whether it be their marketing materials, whatever it is, it's just easy to understand and a seven-year-old could understand it. That's authentic. Yeah. Funnily enough, I mean, being concise is actually one of the hardest parts of writing, I find. It is. It's really difficult to write well and write short. Yeah. Which is why professional writers should do this work, which is why we have organisations like WPP to help. I think... Consumers feel and they can smell honesty and they know that the person writing it wants them to get an education rather than wants to keep them in the dark. Looking forward to 2023, things are looking a bit bleak from an economic point of view. What should companies be doing to prepare and what advice would you give for staying front of mind and, and uh, relevant in a downturn? Yeah. Don't forget your customer. I mean, the problem with things being a little dicey or bumpy, most businesses look internally and they forget that their job is to stay focused on what's external, which is their customer base. You can get mired in all the stuff, the inflation, the interest rates, the worry, the supply chain, and be so completely internal that you forget your number one constituency and that is your customer. What do they need? What are they willing to do? They will keep buying and keep transacting with you if you just remember to focus on them. And I've seen it time and time again where budgets are cut, companies look inward, they lose sight of who their customer is, the customer runs away because they know they're being ignored and treated badly. That's the number one point. Keep investing, keep focusing on the people that matter and they're your customers. Rose, thank you so much for your time and, and your sage advice. Really appreciate it. Thank you. It's a pleasure, Will. 